0: Hello and welcome to The Catch. I'm Matt Hansen, freelance editor with FindBet.com. Here with Brad Mealy, writer and contributor for FindBet.com, we are bringing you the fifth installment of this series where we will discuss everything going on in the world of sports that we can fit into 60 Minutes. Throughout this series, we will cover a range of topics, including sports betting and fantasy, along with keeping up with current events, trade rumors, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at find underscore bet and on Instagram at FineBet, just one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FineBet.
1: And remember, all of our newest content can be found on FineBet.com, and this week you can look for coverage on the NBA Finals, NFL DFS Start-Sit recommendations, and along with NFL betting advice
0: for Week 5. I want to throw a shout-out to the Seattle Storm and Brianna Stewart for their WNBA Finals win Tuesday night completing a sweep of the Las Vegas Aces. Stewart is now a two-time WNBA Finals MVP and the ageless Sue Bird, proving she's not done, not yet, not even at 39 years of age. She set the WNBA Finals and Playoff record with 16 assists in Game 1, and she's now one of only three players in basketball history to win a championship in three different decades. Tim Duncan and John Sally both achieved that feat in the NBA, uh, but congratulations to the Seattle Storm. Sticking with basketball, the NBA Finals between the Lakers and Heat is now at 3-1 to with L.A. leading after Tuesday night's game. Butler gave Miami a boost in Game 3 with an all-time playoff performance. He put in 40 points, and he made all the right plays down the stretch, and obviously uh, had LeBron and the gang on tilt Uh, Game four, we saw more of the same. Uh, The Lakers managed to get the win, but not in the dominant way that we've seen them put teams away during this postseason. Uh, Davis had 22 points, but it was LeBron who had to carry the team throughout the game to prevent Miami from uh, pulling away at certain points. Basketball is a game of momentum, and this series feels like a seesaw. You think with a three games to one lead that the Lakers might have all the momentum uh, heading into the next one, but it just doesn't feel that way. I don't think the Heat can overcome the deficit uh, based on how streaky Tyler Hero has been, and they really need his scoring to be more consistent in order to get back into the series. But if they can steal game five, Eric Spolstra has had a good defensive game plan and he's gotten maximum effort for his players who have obviously bought into what he's selling them, and he has the resume to prove to them that he knows what it takes to win championships. Uh, But a great defensive effort from both teams in game four I do want to see LeBron come out angry and more focused in Game 5 to put this series away, uh, but it's been sloppy play from L.A. these past two games with a lot of turnovers. Um, but I apologize for talking so long at the beginning of this. Brad, let me uh, pass it over to you and let you uh, get some words in here. Yeah, I mean, the
1: MLB playoffs, have uh, continued to roll on here after the wildcard uh, series wrapped up last week. Um, and the divisional series are all underway this week. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Yankees are tied at uh, one game apiece. Houston holds a two-game lead or oh, two-game to nothing lead over the A's. Um, yesterday we saw the Dodgers and the Braves take the first game in their series over the Padres and the Marlins, respectively. Um, Houston's bullpen hasn't given up a run the entire series yet, um, and Oakland needs more players than Chris Davis and Marcus Semenin to show up in order to get back in the series. After two games, I think that it looks like it's going to be a sweep. Obviously, uh, anything can happen, you know, in these series and when teams are backed up against the wall. But George Springer has been absolutely mashing, um, and they're getting timely hits up and down their lineup, which has just been uh, a big
0: backbreaker for the A's. It really has been, and I thought the A's had a good lineup coming in to kind of match up with them, but Houston has just looked – Uh, Like they're on a mission to kind of silence all the haters and critics, including uh, myself, who has been actively rooting against them all season. But uh, but they've been looking good and and Springer and and they're really good in production up and down that lineup. So uh, they look like a tough team to beat. Uh, But moving to the Yankees and the Rays, this is a series that I was looking the most forward to. In the first game, uh, we saw the Yankees. beat the Rays, uh, expected to be a pitcher's duel with Garrett Cole and Blake Snell towing the mound. Uh, Both had mediocre outings, though, uh, a little disappointing. Uh, There were some high points of them getting out of a a couple of trouble spots, but uh, the Yankees were able to take the lead halfway through the game, and then they broke it open in the ninth to uh, seal that win in game one. Uh, Every Yankee starter actually getting a hit in game one is an impressive feat by them. I think they finished with 15 in the game. Uh, game two, however, a different story. Uh, the Rays had uh, Randy uh, – I'm going to mess his name up – Aero uh, able to homer off of Davey Garcia in the first inning, and then uh, Hap was able to come in and get lit up uh, for four over two and two-thirds, and the Rays were uh, pretty much in complete control, um, shaping up to be a back-and-forth series uh, with Morton and Tanaka going tonight in game three. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I think when you go over to the National League, um, Atlanta beat Miami in game one of the NLDS, their NLDS series, Um, and they just look like they're too much for Miami. I think, Uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, were surprised at how well Miami played, uh, especially after they had the first uh, professional sports COVID outbreak early in early in the season. Um, It's going to take excellent pitching efforts from Pablo Lopez and Six to Sanchez in games two and three to get them back into this series. Um, But it's something right now where if you look at Atlanta's lineup up and down, they just have – they're just better from head to toe than Miami right now. So it's going to be an uphill battle for them for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, Uh, lots of bats. And, I mean, you'd have to think that the Cardinals have to imagine how their season would would have turned out different if they still had Marcelo Zuna.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's going to complete 180 for sure. Um, The Dodgers and the Padres game was a pitcher's duel, but it was kind of unusual how it played out. Mike Clevenger, he made his return from um, elbow injury, but he wasn't even able to make it past the first inning. Um, He started throwing fastballs in the inning at 97 miles per hour, and by the time the second inning rolled around, he was throwing them at 91. So obviously there wasn't something that was right um, in his elbow Uh, And something flared up, obviously. He came back too quickly. And you can commend him for trying to pitch through the pain and trying to help his team. But um, it'd be surprising now if he made it to – if the Padres made it to the ALCS, if he made it onto their roster, um, and then even if they get to the World Series. So it's going to be tough to see him continue – tough to see him continue to pitch in the postseason if this is how his first run went with that injury. Um, The Padres used more pitchers and innings pitched in this game, obviously, with Clevenger exiting so early. You had nine pitchers use over eight innings, um, and they gave up five runs on four hits. So the Dodgers pitching was better, though. Um, they only allowed one run on three hits. And with all the power bats in these two lineups, to have a low-scoring opener, you know, a pitcher's dual opener,
0: was pretty surprising. And I think that you'll probably see those bats wake up here um, in the next few games. I hope so. I think so. But, yeah, it was, it was a weird game. You know, I was really excited for it. Um, You know, I was hoping that Slam Diego would show up and see a lot of homers from Tatis and Machado, but uh, there's more games to come. So an exciting series. Uh, Moving into football, though, we've surpassed the first quarter mark in the season, and we're going to break down what we've seen from each division and maybe what some of the surprises have been, how injuries have affected fantasy and more. But first, let's get to uh, some of the stars from week four here. Uh, Brad, why don't you kick it off with some of the top performers that we saw this past week? So it was the week of uh, the revitalized tight ends this week in the NFL. Um,
1: Robert Tonyan was a big waiver wire uh, target for a lot of people after his performance last week with a touchdown and 60 yards. Um, he came and exploded on Monday Night Football. He had three touchdowns. He had 98 yards, um, 28 points in a standard league for scoring-wise. Um, just a monster game for him. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. finally woke up. Three total touchdowns in the Browns game against the uh, Cowboys this week, where the Browns scored 49 points. Um, Mark Andrews bounced back against Washington this week. He had both of Lamar Jackson's receiving touchdowns, um, and then Tom Brady. What a what a revitalizing week he had in he's not Tampa dead Bay. Yet. Yeah, he's not dead yet. That's absolutely right. 369 yards, five touchdowns. Um, And he was slinging it. They weren't uh, dinking and dunking down the field. He had some really nice 20 to 30 yard intermediate throws that were right on the money. So I think that, you know, possibly not having an off season with training camp and maybe even a little few preseason games because of the pandemic obviously played a role in that Uh, maybe was a little bit why Brady had such a slow start to start the year. Um, But I think, you know, he's looking very good. Uh, And Tampa Bay sitting there at three and one in their division is, Is looking pretty tough. Why don't you go over some of the duds this week that, um, you know, we had. And, in fact, a few of these on the list that we had targeted in DFS that just
0: didn't pan out this week. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the biggest disappointment to me uh, pretty much throughout the entire season is is Kenyon Drake. And uh, last week we only saw him get 35 yards on 13 carries. And – Heading into the year, he was one of the hottest uh, targets at at running back in fantasy football, and he's just been utterly disappointing, and a lot of that having to do with the fact that Kyler Murray is so um, uh, quick out of the pocket and uh, an effective runner kind of in the way that we saw Lamar Jackson last year that is eating into some of those touches and opportunities for Drake. Um, But at this point, you have to start to wonder as Chase Edmonds' usage starts to climb up a little bit if it's time to cut bait with him uh, if you own him in a season-long league or dynasty format. Um, A couple others are David Montgomery, who only got 27 yards on 10 carries. Jeff Wilson, Jr., uh, for the 49ers, six yards on three carries. And Daryl Henderson and the ever-confusing backfield of the Los Angeles Rams uh, had eight carries and 22 yards. Uh, But going back to Drake, uh, he's somebody that we had talked about a lot preseason, and we both liked. um, I kind of explained what's going on with him, but uh, do you have any opinion on on what's causing this or if there's any chance of a turnaround for him uh, heading into the rest of
1: the season? It was kind of a crazy week to begin with because they were up against the Panthers this week who have one of the worst defenses in the NFL – um, the Panthers have given up monster numbers the first three weeks to running backs um, and and just offenses in general. So this week was lining up perfectly for a Kenyon Drake breakout week, and he just didn't get it going. I mean, the entire uh, Cardinals offense really struggled against the the Panthers defense for some reason this week. I don't know if it was traveling cross country to play in Carolina, um, but it was. I, I, if I'm a Kenyan Drake owner, I'm starting to get a little bit worried. He's definitely not an automatic start every week. It seems like Kyler Murray is, is taking most of the rushing touchdown potential away from Drake, but even with how good of a runner he is, he's still not getting the volume from rushing that we saw last year, once he was traded over to the Arizona Cardinals from the dolphins. So that's concerning to me. Um, if I'm in Dynasty, I, you know, I'm probably holding on to him because of, of the potential there. But do you begin to pull him out of your starting lineup in favor of other higher uh, impact guys or more high ceiling guys, possibly? I mean, it just depends on how deep your roster is. You may be in a position where you have to start him.
0: Yeah, another it surprise who you have on your roster. Because if you're in a situation where even though you spent a high draft pick on, on getting him on your team, Uh, he hasn't been producing enough to justify a spot in the starting lineup. So if you're able to go out on the waiver wire this week and pick up the Ernest Johnson for Cleveland, who should be filling into some type of a role in Cleveland um, and with the way that it seems that they can plug and play backs there, uh, you know, that's going to be, I think, a better week to week option, at least in the next couple of weeks uh, over somebody like Drake.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Um, Kenyon Drake right now, I I think, it's going to be match – he's more matchup dependent when it comes to starting. And I think another – you know, we were talking about Daryl Henderson and the Rams there a little bit earlier. He's – it was really surprising with the Rams this week because they were going up against the Giants. Giants, again, yeah. another really bad defense. Uh, has given up a lot <laughs> totally of points bad. Yeah. all year. You know, is that an understatement saying that they're bad? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's – you know, the the Rams could not get anything going on offense. A week after they scored 32 points against the Bills, who – some would argue have a better defense than the Giants. They haven't been lights out like they were the last couple of years to start the year, but definitely more talent there. Yeah, and then to yeah. go home and face the Giants and only put up 17 points, and really it was a close game. It was 10-9 to 9 late in the game until Cooper Cup took a slant 50 yards for a touchdown mm-hmm. from Jared Goff that kind of saved his fantasy day. But, um, you know, that – I just – for me, if I'm in redraft right now, I'm not sure I can trust any – type of Rams running back uh, when it comes to usage and really it's just going to be uh, lightning in a bottle and basically catching luck if you're gonna start one and hope that it is the one that Sean McVay wants to use this week or is in the game plan for more carries so um, I think that you know the, there are, are definitely way with all the injuries at running back so far this year uh, we lost two this week and Nick Chubb and, and Austin Eckler so there's going to be Justin Jackson's out on the waiver wire. If Joshua Kelly from the Chargers is out there, I mean, he's definitely somebody that's more appealing now than possibly starting Kenyon Drake or Daryl Henderson down the rile.
0: Well, with all the injuries, I I have been kind of confused on what the right moves are to make uh, in regards to like redraft leagues, especially if you're not committed uh, the same way you are in a dynasty league. But I'm almost to the point now where if there's a questionable backfield situation um, like Tampa Bay, for instance, um, or Pittsburgh, and there's backups there that you think might be the next man up in case of an injury and you're really hurting it back, um, you know, you might have to take those, those chances and waste that roster spot just to hold those guys because there's not a lot of options. You know, I'm in a league where uh, I had Saquon Barkley as my, my first draft pick. And with him going down, there's not much on the waiver wire to really go for. And with more and more teams like the Rams, what they're doing using those committees, um, there's just not a lot of great fantasy options. And the only other options are to just hope to have two backs to fill in. And then instead of trying to plug a a running back into your flex, you know, maybe look at some of the tight ends as we're seeing more and more tight ends uh, become fantasy relevant this season. Yeah, it's
1: been tough on the way. You know, it's been tough from an injury standpoint. I think that a lot of the people that argued early in the earlier in the past in earlier seasons, I should say, for having preseason and look at all the injuries you get during preseason. I'm wondering now, especially after weeks two, three, and four here, with the amount of injuries that guys have gone down with, um, and most of them are significant injuries, I wonder if the exact opposite has been has happened with teams not having to be able to being able to build their bodies up a little bit in those live um, live game atmosphere before the games start to count, um, you know, it's just the injuries have been devastating. And then you, t- then you put that on top of games getting rearranged because of COVID and rescheduled because of COVID. You know, the Titans had the first real outbreak last week of COVID. So yep. that uh, threw a huge wrench into a lot of, you know, the Titans and Steelers had a lot of fantasy players, you know, from both those teams that teams had to kind of scramble and, ma- and move guys in and off the bench to – fill in lineups and I know you know in 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 both my redraft leagues this week I was hit pretty hard with you know whether it was injuries or um players being out because of of COVID uh in that you know it was a bad week just because of that so it's just going to be an interesting year moving forward especially with how the first quarter of the season is gone
0: yep It's been brutal so far, and, you know, hopefully it'll start to slow down, but I definitely think that lack of a preseason and, you know, full training camps uh, has definitely affected the health of these players, just their bodies not being ramped up and ready for that type of contact um, right away, Uh, because there's certainly a difference between uh, preseason intensity and regular season intensity and expecting these guys to just jump right into that um, you know I think it's taken its toll uh, but let's move into what we're gonna do I think for the rest of the episode here Brad and that's just kind of go down uh, now that we're at the the quarterway mark in the season we're gonna give a kind of like a first quarter review and report card uh, in a way, and, and starting with the AFC East, uh, I want to start out talking about your Buffalo Bills because they've been one of the most impressive teams that we've seen so far uh, early on in this year and look like a legitimate contender. Are you ready yet, Brad, to commit to the Josh Allen for MVP campaign?
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to, to put those words in my into the uh... – into the universe just yet at least for me um, he's definitely had a really good start to the year I think if you look from an analytics perspective the analytics community is just baffled because when he was he's been billed as a as a bust from the time he was drafted till pretty much the beginning of this year because of of he wasn't accurate in college he you know has the gunslinger mentality he tries to do too much and, and doesn't take what's given to him and and you've seen him You know, from year one to year two, he worked on his intermediate passing game and got really good at those throws from 10 to 20 yards, but his deep ball suffered because of that. Then from year two to year three, he worked a lot on his deep ball and and while keeping up with the intermediate stuff. And now you're seeing kind of the the meshing of those two things together. And he's really, you know, he's become a very complete quarterback in a very short time. You know, he went from 58 completion percentage to 70% right now if the year ended today. Um, the big thing with that though is he's he's got better talent around him than he had before so he, they traded for Stefan Diggs um, from the Vikings this year they've got John Brown and Cole Beasley who they signed last year who had great years in their first year as Buffalo Bills but yep. right now Diggs is leading the NFL in in, uh, in receiving yards he's tied with DK Metcalf right now so the talent around him is a big thing as well I, I think that uh, the the Bills right now are in the absolute favorite for the AFC East. I think the new, new England, with not having Cam Newton next week as well. I know he's got a quarantine for 14 days, so he's going to miss two games. Um, they've got a chance if they play the Titans this week, if that game goes forward, they have a chance to possibly go three games up on New England and Miami. Um, with you know, obviously they play New England twice, so that could could change. But I mean, I don't foresee them with their schedule having any issue. Um, cruising to the AFC East division, as long as the season remains the way that it does and there aren't any more outbreaks uh, from other teams or, or within their organization themselves.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I just want to give you this stat here. So I'm going to read off. Uh, this is Patrick Mahomes' first four games in uh, his MVP season. Uh, he went 4-0. and He had 1,200 passing yards, 15 total touchdowns. 65.2% completion percentage. Lamar Jackson in his MVP season started out 2 and 2. Had a uh, 1,110 passing yards, uh, 11 total touchdowns. Obviously, he added a bunch of rushing yards on top of those. Uh, 64.9% completion percentage. Josh Allen is 4 and 0. Uh, 1,300 yards passing, just a little bit over that, 15 total touchdowns, 70.9% uh, completion percentage. So he's on a good clip. You know, I, I tease you a little bit um, about the MVP things, but I really do think that, you know, in real, uh, when it comes down to real voting, he's, he's going to get some looks if he continues this pace. Uh, the only unfortunate thing for him is that there's some higher profile guys and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers also having good seasons that will probably get the votes over him. Um, But so far, I have to commend Josh Allen. You know, his development has been certainly expedited uh, with the addition of Stefan Diggs, who um, one thing I want to note about him, whether from a fantasy perspective or uh, just watching the game of football, if you watch him play, he's one of the best receivers at coming back to the ball um, and then getting his hands on the ball first. Um, and then controlling it, it's uh, really something fun to watch. And, and, and he's been a catalyst uh, for Josh Allen in that offense uh, all season.
1: Yeah, it's been exciting. I think that Diggs is going to be, you know, I, it's, it was tough to see what his impact is going to be, but I think he's, it's him and Allen mesh very well from what their strengths are. Um, and I think that that's going to compound him into probably Diggs having a career year especially from a yard standpoint, for sure. But when you look at the rest of the division, obviously New England, the big story out of New England this past week was Cam Newton testing positive for COVID and missing the Chiefs game that was moved to Monday night because of uh, COVID, uh, because of the COVID, you know, positive tests and the possible exposure to other teammates. Um, Brian Hoyer and Jared Siddham both played. Uh, Hoyer was actually yanked from the game by Belichick after causing uh, two uh turnovers uh in, in deep in the team you know causing basically causing the patriots two scoring opportunities deep and sitem basically came in and threw two interceptions himself so you know the the game was close from the beginning uh, it was you know 10-9 at midway almost all the end of the second quarter there um but the chiefs offense you can only hold them in, in bay for so long before they're going to break out and that's exactly what they did and mahomes you know, had a pedestrian 260-plus yards and, and two touchdowns. You know, everybody's used to him throwing for three or four hundred and five touchdowns. And um, But he had, you know, he did what he does best, and he made some great throws and found his playmakers.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how quick he can put points up there in that offense. Uh Let's see, who else do we got? We had Miami at one and three. They've looked pretty good through most of their games. Um, they kept the game with Seattle close. Uh, but the question that's looming at this point, as it doesn't look like they're trending the way that they wanted to start the season out is, do we get to see Tua in this year? Uh, do you think there's any chance of that, Brad, at some point? I think so. I think if Miami gets to a point where
1: they're one and five or two and six, I think that you're going to see Tua uh, make his debut, um, a lot of people are, are kind of eyeing October 25th when they play the Chargers. Um, you know that would possibly be a matchup between Herbert and and two two of the the second and third quarterbacks taken in this year's draft. So um, I think it's getting closer. Um, I think Miami's it they're a tough out right now. I think that they're they're definitely much more talented than they were last year. And um, but I think at this point they're just a year or two away from really competing um, offensively. Uh, The offensive carousel at running back this week, Miles Gaskin still got quite a bit of work, but we saw a little bit more Matt Burita this week. So, you know, it's kind of the same along the lines of um, along the lines of the Rams and the Giants and these teams that are kind of going running back by committee. Um, You know, it's been tough. They, they had, they kept the game close against Seattle too. So You know, they're not a team that's just going to roll over after they get down 14 nothing. and I think that's a big part of what Ryan Fitzpatrick brings. So you have to be careful about going straight to your rookie quarterback. But from everything that we've heard coming out of, you know, the Miami Dolphins, you know, newsroom down there that Tua is ready, and he's got a lot of the respect of his teammates. So I think when that change is made, it'll be met. You know, I think that everybody understands that that change is eventually going to come.
0: Yeah, and I do think it happens this season, Um, but I think it was a good move and the right move to try to start out with Fitzpatrick and, you know, Batua coming off of a a serious injury. Uh, They're going to be able to ease him into competition um, at the pace that they want it done, and I think that he could have... um, You know he has a good situation with a good amount of weapons around him in that offense, and they made a a lot of moves to improve that offensive line. So while the record may not reflect it, I think that they have been pretty competitive um, to the point where you can see there's a a corner that they're going to turn eventually, and it just is a matter of how long that takes. Um, But we did mention Buffalo, who's a perfect 4-0. There's another perfect team in this division, and it's the New York Jets, and they are perfectly winless at 0-4. Adam Gase on the hot seat. Sam Darnold is rumored to be out this week with a shoulder injury, and uh, with Bill O'Brien getting fired this week, how long does Gaze uh, last? Do you think, uh, Brad?
1: I think if I was gonna put a number on it, I'd say like week six or week seven is when he kind of gets the can. Um, I think he's got a little bit more, a um, little bit more rapport with the owner um, of the Jets, so that's gonna you know possibly play in his favor a little bit from it happening too quick, but. You know, they lost to Denver last week, who is starting their third quarterback, and Denver, you know, ripping through three costly interceptions in the second half of that Thursday night football game. Um, And they still weren't able to pull it out. And, uh, you know, there's just been no progression, I feel like, on offense. Darnold almost seems like he's regressed. Um, It's been confirmed now just uh, within the last couple hours here. Joe Flacco is going to start for the Jets this week. So, you know, Gase is done after this year. I think it's just a matter of of when he's going to be done. So,
0: yeah, he's been very unimpressive, um, and it really hasn't brought any of the schemes that you would expect to see, and everything's just been a mess um, on, for them offensively. Uh, big disappointment, but um, before we move on from the AFC East, uh, really quickly, I wanted to get uh, answers to these three things from you. Um, so far in these first four weeks, who do you put as the AFC East division fantasy MVP?
1: The fantasy MVP of the AFC East would have to be Josh Allen, I think. I think
0: Josh Allen. Yeah, I got the produced, same. Yeah, produced the most for sure. What about um, so far in these first four weeks, kind of the sleeper guy that's come out that's been fantasy relevant, we'll say the sleeper MVP of the AFC East? Um, I think that's that's a little bit tougher. Uh, I think
1: Devontae Parker in Miami has actually – been better than I expected him to be um, even coming off the hamstring injury he's had a couple of good games through there um, I think the sleeper throughout the year for New England has been Cam Newton I think he I don't think anybody expected him to play as well either coming out you know signing that deal with New England um, and, and playing as well as he had the first three games of the year
0: yeah both good answers I probably have uh, Miles Gaskin or AFC East sleeper MVP for me, but uh, I I do think that those are also pretty good calls. Um, Best bet to win the Super Bowl out of the AFC East. Right now, it's the Jets.
1: Yeah, right now it's Buffalo, I think. I don't think you can argue really. New England maybe, but if if they're just at the beginning of a COVID outbreak with them, they're going to lose some more games and they're going to lose players, and and yeah, I think it's just – I think Buffalo is the one right now who's the favorite to get there if they get to that point. So,
0: yeah, I say Buffalo as well. Let's move on to my division here in the AFC North. And um, we'll start out with a team that we probably should have seen coming. I guess I was kind of sleeping on, you know, it's so easy to just look at Lamar and the Ravens and everything they did last year and thinking about how they can improve. Uh, but with the return of Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers are off to a three and zero start, obviously having the week four game moved um, with the Titans. Uh, but they look like a rejuvenated team. And with the compliment of uh, Johnson and Smith Schuster, uh, James Washington even, and then a couple of, of decent tight end options there with uh, Vance and Eric Ebron. They have enough weapons for Roethlisberger to keep uh, putting points up on the board. Is their defense good enough to hold up, do you think, uh, to continue to, to contend late into the season?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, i kind of been banging the drum for the Steelers from the beginning of the year. I think that, you know, a big product of their problem last year was just their lack of offense and and not having Roethlisberger quarterback. I think when you look at the rest of the division, you've got the Ravens sitting at three and one, you've got the Browns at three and one, which is great. And you've got the Bengals at one, two, and one. So I think the division overall is much stronger than I think a lot of analysis analysts would have thought looking into the year. And, you know, I think the Ravens are the Ravens. They're three and one, obviously they lost to the Chiefs, which is their kryptonite. You know, even yep. Lamar Jackson kind of came out and said that. Yep. Um, but, are you know, I pose this question to you because obviously you're a big Lamar Jackson believer. Are the Ravens as good as everybody
0: thinks they are? I think they are. Um, I think – I don't know why, but it's easy to like Mahomes. I feel like for some reason it, it's harder for the general consensus of everybody to like Lamar Jackson – um, I don't know why but you know other than losing to the Chiefs um, three times and, you know they certainly have their number the Ravens pretty much dominate every other game and it all goes back to Lamar Jackson and um, you know I think that they're a piece away I was just talking with somebody earlier today about um, Antonio Brown just out of the blue and you know I would really I would really like to see Antonio Brown end up with the Ravens um, and provide another weapon for Lamar to throw to, because he's a better passer than people give him credit for. Um, I think that they just need to unleash him a little bit more, allowing him to have more design runs. You know, we saw what he did with that one this past week, uh, taking it 50 yards for the touchdown. Um, and, you know, they've obviously wanted to conserve on the amount of hits that he's taking. Um, but I still look at the Ravens as just of a scary, uh, offense as as the 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 Chiefs or a fully healthy San Francisco or uh, Russell Wilson with the the Seahawks or Aaron Rodgers with the Packers I think it's a a, a, an offense that can score in bunches and and again it all goes back to Lamar so uh, I I hope I I I think think I was I was you know (laughs) sucking up to Lamar too much but you know I just that's what I see when I watch the games
1: I think that they're at a point right now where it really doesn't matter what they do in the regular season anymore. Like Lamar is in the Ravens have proven that they're a good team, but what they haven't proven the, with two years of him at their quarterback is winning in the playoffs. So I think that's the next step where we can really sit there and say, all right, like the Ravens are a good team. They're not just a good regular season team. So you know, yes. they've, both, they've been upended in the playoffs uh, first, you know, one and done in the playoffs the last two years. So I think that's the next step for Lamar. Um, And I'm going to turn the floor back over to you because obviously your Browns are three and one, you know, you and I were talking, I don't know if it was last week on the podcast or just in general, just talking. I I said, you know, the Browns this week is a big game for the Browns because, you know, a win against the Cowboys, even though that they're struggling right now on defense, they're one and three. uh, That's a really good offense and to keep pace with them um, is a big statement. So I'll kind of let you, you know, give us a little update on how the Browns have looked here through the first quarter.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I really could not be happier with with the way that Kevin Stefanski has that team playing. Um, you know, last year on paper, uh, the Browns looked like they were going to be very competitive. Um, they had a lot of hype surrounding them going into the season, and unfortunately, the combination of John Dorsey um, and Freddie Kitchens was not the right leadership group um, to uh, veer Baker Mayfield and and that group uh, in the right direction. But um, But it looks different now, and a lot of the roster moves that were made, um, you know, retaining Miles Garrett, you know, think what you will about him uh, from his altercation with Mason Rudolph. Uh, But when you watch that man play, he is one of the most dominant forces um, on the defensive line across the league. And really, you know, you can really only compare him with guys like J.J. Watt, the Bosa brothers, um, and, uh, you know, any of those top-end defensive ends. So uh, the, the offense has been surprising um, and it almost appears like they took San Francisco's offense from last year and just plopped it in Cleveland uh, they're able to put in any running back and, and get production. We saw Dontrell Hilliard and De Ernest Johnson uh, both have productive games against Dallas. Um, and, you know, it was nice to see OBJ finally break out and have uh, not just a big fantasy game, um, but just a good game in general. Because I think that early on, even though they were winning games, um, you could see the frustration from Beckham and, and Landry uh, not getting the touches that they want. And they made sure to get them both involved in, in the pass from Landry, Landry to uh, Beckham was, was pretty awesome. Uh, but from an outsider's perspective, uh, what do you think about uh, Cleveland and how they look? Because I, I do think that they're probably not as good as a three and one record represents. Um, but I do think that, you know, if they can continue this, uh, offensive barrage and if the defense can improve a little bit more as they get healthier. Um, I think they could contend for playoffs, but I I don't know if they're fully there yet, but what are your thoughts on them?
1: I think that, you know, the, the rushing game has been what has brought them to where they are. So I think that when you, they haven't really asked Baker Mayfield to do a lot from quarterback, you know, he's thrown for 160, 180 yards in the last two games where they have both had wins. And so, um, I think that's the big sticking point for me is what's going to happen when a team takes away that running game of the Browns and they've got it bigger, has got to go win the game for them. And so I think that, you know, Stefanski is a really good coach. I think that the Browns are going to be in a good spot um, as they continue to build. Um, but it's just, it, it, it's so early in the year, just like with Buffalo being 4 and 0, like it's just so early that it's hard to, you know, if the playoffs, they don't award playoffs after four games. So, I think that's the biggest thing for me is the next step now is, is Ken Baker win the game for you on his arm. Ken, um, are you going to be able to uh, absorb the loss of Chubb now that you, you know, you have Kareem Hunt, but you kind of worked off that one, two punch the whole year. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of another thing in my mind that's going to look, and then you've got to start going back through the division. They haven't played the Steelers yet. They play the Bengals twice and they play the Ravens one more time. So, that's going to be a big, uh, sticking point for me as well there. So.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, last team in the North here, uh, the Bengals that you just mentioned, Joe Burrow looks, um, like he's going to be good. You know, he looks like the real deal, three straight 300 yard passing games, the future looking very bright in Cincinnati, especially with Joe Mixon coming off of uh, his first really good performance of the year. Um, you know, anything to add on them? I, I don't have too much to say just because, you know, realistically, I don't think they're going to compete uh, with the the three teams that we had talked about previously, you know, still looking like they're going to be pretty good. Um, but, you know, for the future, hey, Cincinnati looks like a contender for a decade.
1: Yeah. Joe Burrow, I think, has been very good. That's about all I can say about the Bengals. Um, <laughs> they're going to lose games. Their defense isn't that good. Um you know, they're going to lose some games this year. I don't think they're going to be very much in playoff contention. But if Burrow can continue to progress and kind of use this year as a stepping stone, I think the Bengals are going to be in a good spot.
0: Yeah. Uh, AFC North, fantasy MVP?
1: Um, it's tough. Uh, probably Lamar. Maybe Mark Andrews if you're looking for, like, a tight end. Uh, yeah. You know, that's brought value, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at for me.
0: Yeah, I would probably have to say Lamar just because his, his floor is so uh, high on a week-to-week basis. Um, it's hard. I mean, there are some good options, you know, out of the Steelers offense and off the Browns offense, but I still go with Lamar there. Uh, sleeper MVP of the AFC North, I'm going to actually go first here, and it's going to be somebody that's not even for sure inserted into a lineup, but with Nick Chubb out for the next six weeks. Um, I want to say Dearness Johnson, go out and pick him up. I think I'm breaking the rules because I think we're typically going with like based off of the first four weeks, Uh, but based off of the first four weeks, uh, and as a Browns fan, I do expect Hunt to remain in, a, in pretty much the role he's been in. I think that you can expect to see Johnson and Hilliard get some of those early down touches um, and keep Hunt in the role that he's in because he's been so good with it. Um, I may be wrong, but either way, over the next six weeks, uh, Johnson could provide some serious value for your team, um, you know, especially if you, you've endured some injuries on your roster. I know that's
1: a cheat. Yeah, I'd say for me, my sleeper MVP has been T. Higgins for the Bengals. Uh, He's done really well the last couple games with Burrow. He's caught two touchdowns uh, two weeks ago and caught a touchdown last week from Burrow. So he's kind of been Burrow's go-to guy. A.J. Green has looked completely invisible this year to start, which has been frustrating. Um, But that's where I'm at with that. And then who's your best bet to win the Super Bowl out of the North?
0: Uh, I want to say the Browns, but it's the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the Steelers. I think that they have a better shot to get there, I think, than the Ravens do right now.
0: One more thing I want to touch on the Ravens, and I know we're already running out of time, but one thing about the Ravens I did want to mention I forgot to say – is the one thing the Chiefs are able to do is they're able to get in Lamar's face early and often, and they're able to get up on them. And, and any team that's really shown the ability in a pressure situation to get up on the Ravens early, the Ravens are not the type of team that can come back from deficits. At least they haven't shown that yet. So that's really, for me, the hurdle that Lamar has to get over, I think, to gain that national uh, acceptance and recognition as a top tier quarterback. Because I do understand, you know, you got to win it when it counts uh, in order to be put in that upper echelon. But talent wise, I think he's already there. But I think that's the key to beat the Ravens. If you can get up on them, uh, they don't play well from behind.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, let's move to the AFC South. So the Titans are sitting at 3-0 right now, um, obviously with their game being rescheduled last week. Uh, the Colts are 3-1. and um, Jacksonville is 1-3 and Houston is 0-4. Um, mm-hmm. When we look at the Titans, obviously the offense has been doing really well. I think the biggest surprise for me is that they're really only a couple plays away from being one and two. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. they beat the Vikings by a point, um, and they barely beat Jacksonville as well in, in week two. So I think that the 3-0 and from the Titans is a little bit more uh, a mirage than anything else.
0: Yeah, two weeks in a row uh, – I think it was two weeks in a row that it was the last-second field goal that decided games there.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and then when you look at the Colts – I think, you know, I was a big Phillip Rivers guy, especially in the offseason here when it came to redrafts. And, you know, I was kind of, you know, the Colts offense is really going to be humming. And he's really just not been the difference maker than he was in, 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 for the Chargers in in all of his uh, history there. Uh, He definitely looks like a guy that maybe is more of a upper tier game manager than he is. Somebody who's going to just completely win the game for you. Um, And T.Y. Hilton hasn't been involved in the offense at all. Like we thought he was going to be. But the team is winning efficiently. They they had the big upset in Week One against Jacksonville, um, but from then they've they've won the games that they needed to. The scores haven't necessarily been pretty, but they're getting the job done there.
0: Yeah, and uh, you had mentioned Jacksonville and one of my favorite players, Gardner Minshew. There, he has. Been good. Um, Not good enough to get more than one win, Um, but along with James Robinson, who was an undrafted free agent um, that assumed the starting role once they uh, had released Leonard Fournette, um, has been impressive. And between those two, their offense is exciting, and they keep them in most games, Um, and the defense is just a mess. So obviously, you know, they won't come out and say it, but a lot of the moves that Jacksonville's made in the last season and two – uh, designed I think to be a pseudo tank job um, and Minshew and Robinson and DJ Shark and uh, a couple of those pieces on offense has just been too good um, to allow Jacksonville to uh, continue to tank. So I think they'll end up with a few more wins but uh, this division as a whole is just kind of a, a mess I think you know I don't I agree with you I don't think the Titans are as good as their records shows And uh, along with the NFC East, it's it's definitely one of the weaker divisions. Um, Anything to add on Jacksonville?
1: No, not much on Jacksonville. I think Minshew is going to be a good fantasy quarterback just because he's going to get a lot of stats from whether it's garbage time or just trying to will his team to to win through the pass. But um, I think, you know, they're at a point now where they're looking for probably a a long-term quarterback. Like you said, a pseudo tank is probably a really good way to describe it.
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. Who do we got left here, Brad? We got the Texans, 0-4. Um, no, no more Bill O'Brien as their head Ugh. coach, which was of a
1: surprise. I would say Bill. That, yeah, I would say that he, him getting fired this early was a little bit more of a surprise. Um, but it sounds like, you know, news coming out the last couple of days, it sounds like the team had – He's basically lost the team, and at that point,
0: there's no sense
1: in continuing to go on. And <laughs> How did he not Romeo lose the
0: Carmel's team when he decided he to trade away DeAndre Hopkins or when he gave away yeah, know, right? first and yeah. second-round picks for Laramie Mayton? I mean, what a mess that whoever – I mean, I think it's Romeo Cornell that's stepping in as interim, but whoever takes over this job permanently, what a mess they're stepping into.
1: Yeah, there's not much from a draft capital standpoint. I think that their goal now, like you said, they don't have any high draft picks coming into the – coming into the draft this year. So their goal, I think, is to win as many games as they can and salvage the season. But, um, you know, at this point, you know, it's, it's not looking good.
0: Yeah. It's not looking good at all. Um, And really, I mean, Watson's uh, played okay, but Watson needs to be better. And, um, you know, based on what we've seen from, you know, performances like Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers, who really have, you know, even less kind of, you know, the cover's kind of bare in Houston, but, Really overall, you know, Will Fuller's played above expectations and managed to stay healthy, so he has a good target. And then once Brandon Cooks is able to kind of rectify some of his injury issues he's been dealing with, um, and David Johnson's, you know, still a weapon of, of sorts there, um, Watson needs to be better for them to turn this around because they're, like we said, they don't have too many moves left.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, who's your fantasy MVP from the South?
0: So I'm going to wrap my fantasy MVP into the sleeper MVP for me, and that's James Robinson um, running back for Jacksonville. Um, He's just been way better. I mean, I I, I didn't think James Robinson was ever going to be a thing. I thought it was kind of a joke, and I was like, oh, great. They really give Gardner nothing to work with this year. He comes out and he looks this good. He's one of the most fantasy-relevant backs uh, across the league. So he wins my MVP and sleeper MVP for the division.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at the division fantasy, I'm going to go with – Him probably being both too, just because of how he kind of came out of left field. Um, But I also think that Will Fuller has actually kind of had a little bit of a revitalization with him being able to stay healthy. You know, he's been pretty dynamic this year, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, And then if my my best bet to win the Super Bowl from this division, if I had to like,
0: (laughs) you have to pick someone out
1: there. I'd probably pick the Colts just because I think that their defense is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more. I guess, easier to depend on than the Titans right now. Um, And like I said, I think the Titans are
0: not as good as their 3-0 record shows. I'm actually – and I don't think any of these teams are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But I'm going to say – the Houston Texans are my pick for this just because it's a totally an AFC South and Houston Texan thing to do is like they'll limp into the playoffs at, at, at seven and nine somehow uh, after the Colts and Titans go on a bad run and they'll limp into the playoffs. And I think they'll be the ones that advance the farthest in the playoffs out of this division, if anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You look at it, it seems like they turn an op in the playoffs to begin with. So mm-hmm. um, it's – yeah, it's gonna be. It's. I think
0: the I don't know if any wildcard teams come out of the south. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no. Let's move on from the south to a more interesting division. At least, just because of the the, the team at the top of it, uh, and that's the AFC West. Uh, Kansas City at four and zero. Oh, um, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's his show. He's a walking highlight reel and he's so fun to watch it's very frustrating knowing that you know my team's in the AFC and we're just getting good now uh and we have to look up at Patrick Mahomes now for the next you know however many years he's in the league I don't even want to talk about it I'm so disgusted so you take the Kansas City Chiefs
1: (laughs) I mean they're they're elite they are who we thought they were it's the quote the late Dennis Green (laughs) um they uh uh, they struggled a little bit in offense against the Patriots. I think the Patriots have a better, you know, one of the better defenses that they faced so far this year. But, you know, they only scored 26 points, which I guess is, if you want to call that a disappointment in Kansas City's term. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to the Thursday night game in, in, a, in two weeks here um, against the Bill, Bills and Patriots, or uh, Bills and uh, Chiefs uh, Thursday yeah, night football. I mean, they could so, both
0: head in, there undefeated, and that's quite a matchup in prime time.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think that that's going to tell a lot about – I think both teams. I think Buffalo's is probably the better defense that they've faced. Yeah. And maybe even offense as well. Um, you know, the Ravens I, – I just – it's almost like the Ravens play scared against them, so I don't know if that's a, a fair measuring stick. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say about Kansas City. They're the perennial contender. They're, they're going to win the AFC West. That's pretty, you know, much – it's pretty much assumed that that's going to happen now. So um, it's more of just how they're going to do it and, and, and how it's – if they can repeat as a Super Bowl champ. Um, let's look at the Raiders, who are 2-2. Two and two. They started out quick. They beat the Panthers um, in Carolina in week one, beat the Saints on Monday Night Football in week two, and then they kind of came back to earth a little bit with losses to the Patriots and the Bills the last two weeks. Um, both their rookie wide receivers are hurt. Um, do you ha- think there's any chance that they slip in as a wild card this year, or is it the same old Raiders that we've seen from the past?
0: Well, this is one of the points of contention between uh, you and I. Is I. You know, you had called it after the first couple of weeks that, you know, you didn't think that they were as good as they were showing. I still believe that they're better than their record at this point now, so we're kind of, like, turning the tables in different ways. But I do think that John Gruden's done a good job with that offense um, and defense. I mean, just the team in general. I don't think that they're really all that talented. They're relying on, on a lot of young players and then Derek Carr to kind of carry that offense. Um, Darren Waller's obviously an elite tight end. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're not explosive, uh, in any means, but they are efficient. So, you know, even watching them against the bills, you know, after you kind of thought that they were getting knocked out, um, you know, they, they didn't give up. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're a team that's going to give up and being that they get to play, um, Denver and the chargers, uh, a couple times this year, you know, I think that, you know, that should help their case a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if they get in, but I think that they're on an upward uh, trend at this point.
1: Yeah. I would agree with most of that. I, I just I still think that Derek Carr and 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 that offense is not something that's going to scare most of these teams. You know, they could slip in as the seven seed. That's definitely possible. Now they're taking seven teams in the playoffs instead of six. So, mm-hmm. uh, but if you look at, I think looking at the team below it, I like them, Denver, who's one and three right now. I think that they were looking a lot better from an offensive standpoint, from a team standpoint, until they've just been decimated by injuries, though. yeah, Um, Drew Locke is supposedly going to be back here in the next week or two. Um, Can he pull them out of this, or is it something that basically the injuries have just piled up too much that this is almost a lost year for
0: them? I think there's too many injuries to their ancillary positions. I mean, I think that he's an improvement um, when he comes back. But uh, at this point, I think that it's probably a lost season, uh, considering the competition in the AFC is it's going to be competitive for those spots.
1: Yep, absolutely. And then you've got the chargers right now who Tyra Taylor has been out because of the, the, uh, collapsed lung and there the punctured lung, I should say from the injection in his ribs from the team doctor and Justin Herbert has looked awesome. I mean, he's definitely looked like a rookie out there at times, but he's really looked like he belongs in the NFL and a lot. He, he drew a lot of comparisons to Josh Allen when he came out this year. Um, You know, big, strong arm, but Raw needed some time to, uh, you know, kind of develop, and that's why Tyrod got the job. But do you – is it even possible for Tyrod to get his job back now with the way
0: the Herbert's played? No, I don't think so. It'd be – (laughs) a pretty bold move from coach Lynn to put Tyrod back in that position just because he gave him his word. Um, At this point, even though it hasn't translated to wins yet, um, Herbert's looked way too good and way too in control of this offense to uh, take the reins from him at this point. At this point, Uh, You just let him keep building the chemistry with the offense, get him his reps. And, um, you know, I think he's on uh, the same kind of a line that Joe Burrow is, and I'm impressed by both of them with their composure and uh, their ability to uh, perform under pressure so early in their career. Um, Division fantasy MVP AFC West, is there any other question other than Patrick Mahomes being that?
1: Uh, Yeah, he's the MVP for sure. I think the sleeper MVP for me has been Herbert. I mean, he's definitely startable in, in in fantasy football right now, especially in twelve or fourteen man leagues. Um, he's put up numbers that easily can help carry your team and he probably was not drafted or drafted very late. So you picked him yep. up on the waiver wire or took a chance
0: later. So um Yeah, I almost me, accidentally got him in our rookie draft this year. Exactly, right? So, <laughs> no, I'm regretting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's, uh
1: it's, I think that the, those two are pretty clear for me. And then obviously best bet to win the Super Bowl is Kansas City.
0: I don't, I think. I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. Can't agree yeah. with that. So I can't argue too much. The only one I will mention, although he's not really a sleeper, but um, we, I think we all were kind of sleeping a little bit on Melvin Gordon, who has looked pretty good um, for Denver this season. So it's um, so good for him. He's had a couple of good games. Uh, also, Sleeper MVP is the uh, athletic trainer that put Tyrod on the shelf to allow Herbert to step into that offense. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's go to the NFC. We're running out of time. We're probably going to run a little late. I apologize, uh, but we do want to get through this just so you guys have uh, a little tidbit on all the divisions and the teams. Uh, NFC East is the worst, and they really need to eradicate them and use soccer rules and relegate that entire division out of the NFL next year. Uh, the Eagles, yeah, it's – is, is there anything really to talk about, like, with the NFC East? I mean, Ugh, all bad. It's so brutal. All bad. Haskins um, is going to be replaced in Washington as starting quarterback, as Kyle Allen is going to – has been confirmed to be starting this week. Uh, you know, Antonio Gibson's great. And I think that, you know, if you're able to grab him off the waiver wires early in this year, you've got yourself a gem. If it's in dynasty leagues, um, you know, even better for you. He looks like Terry McLaurin uh, did last year where, you know, you could kind of tell this guy's going to make it at that level. So they do have that going for them. But without a a clear quarterback uh, in the future, you know, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and hope that they have one of those picks high enough to either go for Lawrence or uh, Trey Lance, who has uh, confirmed that he's going to be going and entering into the NFL draft.
1: Yep. Uh, I think when you look at the rest of the division, I think the biggest potential comes from Dallas. Their offense is really good, but they can't stop anybody on defense. And Mike Nolan, their defensive coordinator, I, I feel like his job is already on the hot seat. I feel Everything in Dallas revolves around Jerry's expectations. And I don't think when Mike McCarthy was hired that Jerry expected it to be a full rebuild. I think it was more just a reload and we're going to, you know, pick up, pick up and kind of pick up the slack of where we left off with, um, with Jason Garrett or, or get to a point where Garrett couldn't get them, which was farther along in the playoffs. So um, I think, you know, obviously from that standpoint, I don't know if McCarthy was a right higher for Dallas, but you know, right now they can't stop anything. I think a change of defensive coordinator is more imminent than most people might think.
0: So just really quickly on them, because just watching that Browns and Cowboys game, it was just such a fun time for me. And I think I'm going to go back and watch it actually, when we're done doing this, just to, just to have a little kick, but they are the second highest scoring offense in the NFL uh, behind only green Bay, but they are on track right now to be the worst defense in NFL history. Uh, Currently the 1981 Colts had 33.1 points per game allowed right now through four games, Dallas allowing 36.5 points per game.
1: Yeah, that's pretty brutal.
0: That is awful. Um, The Eagles, I don't know what to say about them. Uh, You know, I felt bad for Carson Wentz for a little while, but again, seeing the rash of injuries across the league, uh, being considered one of the higher caliber quarterbacks in the league, he needs to be playing better, same as Deshaun Watson, to get his team uh, winning some games. And he just has been super unimpressive, uh, offensive line injuries or not. Um, uh, We got to see another tie uh, thanks to them. And I'm just – I'm out on the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I think when you – there's tons of injuries too that plays a role. And then when you look at the Giants, I mean, they're just – losing Saquon Barkley and and that – I don't know if Daniel Jones is the answer. He almost seems like he's regressed this year compared to where he was last year. Um, The offensive line, you know, he's got no time to throw. So that's not going to help any type of quarterback from that standpoint. Who is your – who would you say your division – fantasy MVP is for the NFC East?
0: Well, it's got to be Dak Prescott, but just touching one more thing on Dallas because it's just so weird because their offense is so good. I understand Dak Prescott is is playing at a record clip almost, but the offense just works better when they get Ezekiel Elliott involved in the running game more often. And they've been uh, not avoiding that, but it's just not falling into the game plan apparently. But they need to do a better job of that because – Uh, Dak can throw for five touchdowns every week that's fine but it's not getting results so I'd I'd like to see them kind of get the running game more involved and uh, Zeke has had some fumbling issues this year but um, give that man the ball he literally has a tattoo that says feed me on his stomach Um, and he's one of the best goal line backs in football Uh, so I think that's a way for them to turn around Uh, but it's Dak for me Um, MVP for you.
1: Uh, MVP is Dak. I'd say my sleeper MVP is probably Antonio Gibson. I think that he has gotten a chance to shine. I think he's going to be a really good, you know, definitely going to be a really good part of that Washington rebuild for sure. And then your best bet to win the Super Bowl from the
0: NFC East. Who's that going to be? I'm taking, I mean, I, can I say the little giants team from the movie in the Um, nineties? I like that team better than anybody else, but I guess if you have to put it on anybody, I put it on Dallas. Uh, Although I have no faith in Mike McCarthy.
1: Yep, I agree with that for sure. So
0: Okay, um, NFC North. This is an yeah. exciting division at least because we have Aaron Rodgers in there. Let's touch on them last just because they've been so impressive. Let's go to the bottom of the division and start out with Detroit and the Vikings. Who do you want to pick first?
1: Um, well, let's go the Vikings. I think that they finally got smart and started building around Justin Jefferson and allowing him to kind of be unleashed. They took the the collar off of him and, and let him uh, kind of – do what he did well at, at LSU. Um, mm-hmm. so that's been given, that's given them a big bump offensively. Um, you know, the defense has struggled and I'm surprised actually at how much the defense has struggled, especially with the amount of talent that they have on that defense. Uh, but I still think that they're a wildcard contender. Um, I think that they yeah. have enough time to write the ship. I think that their schedule gets a little bit easier now from that, uh, start to the year. So I think that the Vikings, you know, are a little bit better than their one and three record indicates.
0: Especially with Dalvin Cook there, and um, you know Cousins usually figures it out at some point during the season, and Adam Thielen's been fantastic. So if you compare him with uh, an improving Justin Jefferson, uh, yeah, I think that they kind of flip spots with Chicago. Uh, and, and end of the season uh, in second place in the North. Uh, but another team towards the bottom of the division, Detroit, one and three as well. Um, they did get in a win over Arizona to kind of save some face so far. But Matt Patricia, another coach that's on the hot seat, another coach that I probably don't see on the sidelines for them next year. Uh, Kenny Galladay came back and made the offense look a lot better, providing a, a legitimate target for uh, Stafford to look to. Um, but where's DeAndre Swift?
1: Yeah, I think that that's been the big surprise is how much he's not been used and how much Adrian Peterson has been used for Detroit. Mm -hmm. Um, Peterson has been efficient, but I think, you know, at this point, I don't know. I don't know know, a lot of what Matt Patricia does. I don't understand what he does, uh, especially for being (laughs) a coach. So um, I think from that standpoint, you know, the the win over Arizona last week was big. I think that that took a little bit of heat off of him, but I think still he's still on the hot seat for sure when it comes to coaching – vacancies. Yeah,
0: I mean, over his tenure, I don't think he's done enough. Uh, I think this was kind of a make-or-break year. Uh, You know, I thought you know, they have Galladay, which unfortunately had to miss some games early in the season. Marvin Jones is a good option as well. Um, and then they had Hawkinson that they had drafted, who looks like a, a tight end that can be a good pass catcher in this league. And, you know, you thought they had running backs, but yeah, it's it's a mess there. I, I think Patricia is somebody else that's seriously going to be needing to update their resume here pretty soon. Uh, Speaking of updating resumes, uh, Mitch Trubisky was replaced by Nick Foles. Mitch Trubisky was replaced by Nick Foles um, as starting quarterback for the 3-1 Chicago Bears. Uh, They struggled against the Colts this week, Allen Robinson. um, The production is promising. Um, We thought Foles might kind of inject a little boost there for them, but we kind of saw them fall flat. Um, What's your outlook for them moving forward here?
1: Um, I think Chicago is not – a. I think they're 8-8. Nine and seven, seven and nine team. Even with Nick Foles, uh, I think he's at a point where he's just a stopgap. I think that they're going to be seriously in contention for a quarterback this year. Obviously, you know they didn't pick up Trubisky's option, and you know now they benched him, so that pretty much gives them the out that they're looking for. I will say that from a fantasy standpoint, I think Allen Robinson is a lot more enticing now than he was with Trubisky. So had a really good week last week, um, which definitely helps you know coming from a game against the Colts where there was very little scoring so yeah um yeah I think you know the Bears are three and one but I'm not sure how good they are at three and one
0: well someone we're sure is good is the Green Bay Packers at 4-0 um the most explosive offense that we've seen in the NFL this year in a year where offense is up across the board uh but they are kind of in their own stratosphere um and with this kind of a weak division um, unless Minnesota is able to turn their their season around it uh, looks like they're in cruise control pretty much uh, I mean I love Aaron Jones I love Aaron Rodgers Devonte Adams has been in and out but it doesn't seem to matter because between the two Aarons, uh, that seems to be enough to just propel them to victories on a weekly basis
1: yep absolutely uh, I think you know Aaron Rodgers has definitely looked rejuvenated. I think he's looked a lot better than he did last year. He's kind of used to Matt LaFleur now as his coach and what the offense is going to be like. And, um, you know, he's got – even with the lack of weapons around him, you know, which the Packers were criticized for, he's looked really good. So, you know, the Packers are definitely a Super Bowl contender. And, I mean, for me, they're the best bet out of the NFC North to win the Super Bowl for me
0: uh, from that standpoint. Absolutely. Green Bay, uh, probably my favorite out of the NFC period right now, being that San Francisco is so injured. Um, But let's go with uh, Fantasy MVP. This one's tough uh, because you have Dalvin Cook in there, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. Um, Who do you got for Fantasy MVP out of the NFC North?
1: Fantasy MVP has got to be Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. I think that you know, there's a lot of good running backs. Aaron Jones has been good. Like you said, Dalvin Cook has been good. Um, but I i mean, if you're looking at it just from a production standpoint, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers, I think, in my book.
0: And that's tough for me. Uh, I'm going to go Aaron Jones just to have a different answer, but it's pretty much split for me. I think, you know, either way, you can feel pretty good, pretty good about the winner of that from either of those guys. Uh, yeah. Sleeper MVP. Oh, gosh. Adrian Peterson.
1: I I think it's I, I think it's pretty easy for me. I think it's Justin Jefferson. I don't uh, think much was yeah, I don't think much was expected from him this year. Um, and he's really turned it on. You know, rookie receivers in general don't really do great their first year in fantasy. Okay, um, let me like defend gonna...
0: myself because in my brain, my brain doesn't register him as a sleeper because you know that we've had conversations uh, prior to the rookie draft uh, about Justin Jefferson and my love for him. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. I guess from a redraft perspective or from you know, from just uh, looking at the first quarter of the year, I, he's on most teams and probably starting most teams now, but was
0: he in week one? Absolutely not. So I think Jefferson for sure for me. Good answer. You beat me on that one. We both like Green Bay as the favorite to win Super Bowl out of that division. Uh, NFC West is a division that we expected to be competitive, and even through injuries, um, it still is. Uh, worst record coming in at two and two. That San Francisco and Arizona both with those records. Um, but really, the story out of the division has been Russell Wilson. Um, Russ has been cooking all year, and I think at this point, uh, every single writer that has a vote for MVP probably has his name written down in pencil right now until the season ends.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been a huge surprise, I guess, to see how much they've decided to pass with Russell. Um, And right now he's a shoe in for MVP. So I think that that's really all you say. I think the biggest thing for me is how well their passing game has been. Like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have been 100% viable wide receivers for fantasy teams, both of them. So the offense is supporting two wide receivers. And Chris Carson has had good production, but I think it's probably been a little less than what you would expect it from him at the beginning of the year. Um, He did have two touchdowns last week, which was good. But – I think that he's not has much, at least from a rushing standpoint, that we thought he was going to have.
0: Which is fine because I think that they'll still look to utilize him, um, even when Carlos Hyde is healthy. I think that Carson's still going to be the option in the red zone, and with as much opportunity as that team's going to have offensively in the red zone, I think there's enough chances for him to still be. Uh, pretty much a fantasy stock. I mean, I I have stock in him. He starts for me anytime he's healthy. The good thing about uh, limiting his usage, in my opinion, is that he's always somebody that's prone to injury. So if they're able to limit his exposure to hits, kind of utilize him in the most opportune moments, um, I think it really, you know, it doesn't increase his value, but I think it at least allows him to uh, maintain and hold his value as somebody that may be healthy and playing into the fantasy playoffs this year. Uh, whereas last year he was injured during that time.
1: Yep, absolutely. I think that from that standpoint, it's going to be when you're looking at the rest of the division, I mean, if you look at San Francisco and you look at Arizona and you look at the Rams, like, it's the best division from head to toe, in my opinion.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, maybe AFC North can maybe compete with that, depending if Burrow you know, can continue to put these good performances and turn them into winning games. Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. They're up there for sure. So who else do we have to cover here? San Francisco ravaged with injuries, still managed to, to stay two and two. Um, they're getting Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert back uh, soon, which should help uh, kind of some of their offensive woes that they've been dealing with. But in the meantime, Brandon Ayuk, the rookie has looked to uh, be the real deal and somebody that uh, is going to be more than a gadget player in that offense. And uh, somebody I think that uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to find different ways to use, even once they kind of get back to, uh, full
1: health. Yeah. Iuke had that great end-around run last week um, on Sunday Night Football against the Eagles. So he definitely looks like this definitely looks like it's going to be a a, a wide receiver class from the draft that is going to be remembered like the 2014 class was. Um, So I think that from this point, you know, you get Mostert back, you get uh, Garoppolo back. I think San Francisco's had a couple tough losses there to Arizona at the beginning of the year and then losing to Eagles last week. I think it's just get a couple of those guys back on offense, and I think that they're going to be rolling. Um, when you look at Arizona, they're 2-2. Two and two. It's, I don't know what to make of them. They're a tough team to kind of get, a, uh, you know, a gauge of what their their ceiling is. You know, they're, they beat – San Francisco in week one which is a big surprise I think a lot of people had San Francisco winning yep. But then they go and they lose to, to The Panthers this week um, And just a
0: team that they should Have no business
1: losing to in my opinion um, Yeah I, think it I just agree goes with just
0: you short. The best way to describe them Is just not sure what to make of them yet um, So yeah I mean I don't know who's your fantasy MVP out of this division I think for me it's gotta Be Russell Wilson pretty easy Yeah, yeah. oh for sure uh sleeper mvp
1: uh sleeper daryl henderson has definitely produced more than i thought he would um i think i think it's not necessarily a sleeper but i think deandre hopkins has definitely been better than what he was definitely not the fifth or sixth wide receiver i think he's still a top two three wide receiver from a fantasy standpoint so yeah
0: this is a tough one uh i don't even really know what to say here uh I'll go chase Edmonds, I guess, just because I think he's going to be relevant here moving forward and they're going to get him more involved. So I'll go with him. Uh, best bet to win the Super Bowl, I think we both agree is the Seahawks. Uh, we have one more division to touch on and we got to get out of here quick, but the NFC South, um, let's see, Tampa Bay three and one New Orleans two and two Carolina two and two and the Falcons, another team that needs to be relegated from the NFL. Uh, Owen four. Dan Quinn, terrible job buddy terrible job by you um they've dealt with injuries to the receiving core uh but defensively just they cannot continue to give up these le- leads it's like uh, they're living in a groundhog's day episode um from the super bowl against new england and they just keep blowing these leads over and over
1: yeah for sure i think from our standpoint uh, looking at the rest of the division, you know the foul, Dan Quinn will be fired before the year's over. Especially a couple more losses, he's kind of in the same boat as Gase. Um, Panthers have been really surprising to me. I thought that you know they're sitting at two and two. They've picked up two wins here the last couple of weeks, um, and I think honestly they could be three and one if if they didn't have a last second meltdown against the Raiders. So yeah, you know is Bridgewater the answer for the Panthers, or are they going after Lawrence? You know it's tough to say. Um, I, they did sign Bridgewater to that that bigger contract, so I, you know he's kind of proving that he's could be the answer for them for sure
0: could be Um, you know getting some wins without McCaffrey definitely speaks in volumes uh, in regard to how he's running that offense Uh, New Orleans at two and two a little bit of a disappointment Um, they're adapting to life without Michael Thomas who should be back at some point Um, but Alvin Kamara that's allowed him to look uh, like the best back in football at times throughout this season which has helped propped up uh, sometimes a, a lesser version of Drew Brees that we've seen so far. Um I expect them to p- contend for the playoffs still um, throughout most of the season, but I think there's a chance they could miss it.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think Drew Brees has definitely looked better, but I think that they're playing in a tough division. Um, you know, they're playing Tampa Bay, uh, even though that they beat them once already. I, I, I think that there's, I think they make the playoffs, but it, Drew Brees does, definitely doesn't look like the same quarterback that's carried them the last couple of years.
0: Nope, and that's something we thought we were going to be able to say about Tom Brady, but uh, at 3-1, and one, the offense looks like it's finally hitting all cylinders, and it looks like they're ramping up uh, for the long run this season. So we might have been wrong on him. He might not be washed up just yet. Uh, a lot of injuries that are of concern, um, but the defense has been good at times, at least good enough. Um, and when you have Rob Gronkowski, who's possibly the greatest tight end in the history of the game, uh, committed to being a, bo- a blocking back, or a blocking tight end for you, um, you know, I think that the team is, is behind Coach Arians and, uh, and the vision that he has for this team. Uh, I think that they're probably the best bet for Super Bowl out of this division. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah,
1: I think so. I think Tampa Bay and New, or New Orleans kind of have the same outlook, in my opinion. I think the Panthers and, and Falcons are not in that same discussion, for sure.
0: Fantasy MVP, I am taking Elvin Kamara for that. Uh, I think it's a runaway kind of. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Calvin
1: Ridley has been pretty good, I'd say, other than up uh, till his goose egg here on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I would say Kamara is probably uh, a safe pick there.
0: And sleeper MVP for me, Russell Gage is on the tip of my tongue, but I think I'm actually going to go with Bridgewater, um, just because in case you're a, a team that – had a quarterback go down or underperforming um, he's somebody that you can pick up and because he is able to run a little bit um, and get you some points there uh, I'll say that's just somebody that probably wasn't on many people's radars preseason but uh, he's performed well enough to justify a roster spot uh, on some teams at this point I would
1: say for me it's got to be Mike Davis the way he's filled in for McCaffrey the last couple of weeks he's definitely been way better than I thought from that standpoint
0: well two Panthers That's all the time we have for this week. I want to thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FindBet. Go to FindBet.com to check out all of our newest content this week where you can find out who to drop, who to swap, and who to shop on your fantasy teams, betting advice for week five of the NFL, and continued NBA finals and MLB playoffs coverage. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Find underscore Bet and on Instagram at FindBet, just one word, to know when all of our new content hits FindBet.com. Thanks again for joining us on the catch. And until next time, may the waivers be good to you, my friends. Thanks, Brad. Thanks.